Good afternoon. Welcome to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I'll be your host. I have a great guest today coming in, and it has to do with the world of education. I'm looking forward to our guest in the after this first little segment that I've got a few rants to go through, a, a few news items, uh, business news items. Hope everything's going good. The summer seems to have ended kind of quickly. We are now, seems like it's almost winter time, but it's almost like we always, we skip the fall. We go straight from summer to winter. It was cold and windy today, but we'll see how it goes. The business of, well, it's business buzz. I'm almost at my end of the tax season, which is officially October 15th, the end of the extension filing deadline. I've been working very hard, and I'm looking forward to the 15th being here and uh, over with when I get all the work done, which I'm planning on doing. So as far as business buzz, how about the business of... Medicine. Seems like medicine is the big news these days that's dividing everybody. I've got a little printout here. And it's, I don't, honestly, I don't even remember where I got it. So that's not good journalism. So sue me if, uh, sue me if I played it wrong. But I'm just going to read this, uh, says, one thing that the COVID pandemic has done is show the world how corrupt the medical and pharmaceutical industries are while exposing their greed. The mainstream media can no longer hide the facts about how much money hospitals get for COVID-19 patients. What we all suspected to be true is now verified by, quote, fact checkers. Hospitals get paid three times as much money if their Medicare COVID-19 patient needs a ventilator. It says a typical payment for a Medicare patient labeled as pneumonia is $5,000. If it's a COVID-19 pneumonia, the amount goes up to $13,000. When a ventilator is used, the payment rises to $39,000. Hmm. With all this work I've got to get all these income taxes finished, I think about how much work it takes for a regular Joe like me to earn $39,000. Hmm. Interesting. Maybe I should just start a business and uh, you know buy those buy a bunch of ventilators and rent them to the hospital for oh 5,000 bucks, 10,000 bucks. They still get to keep 29,000 and I get 10. That sounds like a Sounds like a pretty good business idea. Since we're never going to get rid of COVID, it's always going to be here in some form or another. Like I say, I think I got it in the summer, and uh, man, if that's the if that's the illness that shut the world down, heaven help us. So, speaking of medical business, I've got an article here. It was actually from, uh, let me see if I can find where this was from. 
It's from a place called Mediate.com. M-E-D-I-A-I-T-E dot com. And the title is Pfizer made $11.3 billion in revenue from COVID-19 vaccine in first half of 2021. Wow. That's a lot of money. So it says Pfizer's revenue boomed as a result of its COVID-19 vaccine and the company reported $10.5 billion in net income in the first half of 2021, up $3.6 billion more from the same period in 2020. And according to the nonpartisan Center for Responsive Politics, Open Secrets, the company reported $11.3 billion in revenue from its COVID-19 vaccine in the first half of 2021 alone. An SEC filing also noted that 12 and 14% of total revenues for the three- and six-month periods in 2021 came from the U.S. government and were spent primarily on the COVID-19 vaccine. The COVID-19 vaccine has provided more revenue than any other Pfizer vaccine on the market, Open Secrets noted. Pfizer has experienced a large revenue jump in all its vaccine programs, $14.1 billion in the first half of 2021, compared to just $2.9 billion in the first half of 2020, prior to the COVID vaccine receiving emergency youth authorization. Interesting. I always like to look at these things and, and work backwards. I like to say I like to say something like if this were a giant ripoff conspiracy, how would it go? What would it look like? What would happen? That's not proof. That's that's not your hundred percent proof. But when it when it fits it when it fits that way, it really makes you think you might be on the right track. And I will say that if it were to be a complete scam just to steal money and monopolize everybody's uh, hospital time and make the doctors all toe the line and pay off people to misdiagnose things, if it were a conspiracy like that, these things happening would fit it exactly. So don't accuse me of saying it is. But you can't accuse me of saying it fits exactly if it was. I don't know enough to know whether it's true because I don't have time. I mean, I can read what I can. I'm a busy person. I can read what I can, but I can't dig in and interview people and go audit all these uh, financial statements that people would have. I I can only read what I can. It's just uh, really uh, makes it interesting to think that hmm, if it was a if it was a bad situation, this is what it would look like, and and that seems to be where we are. So there's another one where they're where the news sort of sort of twists things, and there's an article here from Newsmax.com. And it says, federal judge denies request to block vaccine mandate on natural immunity basis. 
So Michigan State University has a vaccine mandate. Uh, Gianna Norris, a university employee, sued, saying she has already had the virus and recovered, and she's had antibody tests to show that she doesn't need the vaccine and she has a natural immunity. U.S. District Judge Paul Maloney denied Loris's lawsuit, stating that the school did not violate her rights. Maloney based his opinion on a 1905 Supreme Court case, saying that this court must apply the law from the Supreme Court. Jacobson essentially applied rational basis review and found that the vaccine mandate was rational in protecting the public health. What they didn't say, and this is where I looked it up a little bit, that Jacobson case did not force Jacobson to get a vaccine to go to work or to uh, anything like that. It was a question of whether you take the vaccine or pay a $5 fine. Jacobson didn't want to pay the $5 fine. Uh, He lost. I would say paying a $5 fine even in 1905. And for a judge in 2021 to uphold an opinion based on a 1905 case saying this is our, this is our precedent. Uh, Hmm. It's like, is that like saying we can use Dred Scott as a precedent if it's convenient? Uh, It's, it's, it's incredible. I mean, I have a law degree. I'm not an attorney. I don't play one on television, but it's amazing to me what kind of stuff goes on. And remember, we have a right to privacy. We have a right to choice, my body, my choice. I don't have to tell anybody whether I'm vaccinated or not, and I won't ask you whether you are or not. That's a completely personal decision. My guest coming up in just a few minutes is a very, very interesting local education person who started a school, and we're going to have fun talking with her in a little while. I had to bring up before this first break, speaking of education, this is probably the biggest conflict of interest case I've ever read about. Our Attorney General Merrick Garland just recently instructed the FBI to get in touch with local law enforcement around the country and make sure parents don't get violent at school board meetings when they go to complain about things like critical race theory. If you've noticed, and it's on YouTube a lot, it's not on the nightly news, of course. There's a lot of people all through, all across the country are going to the school board meetings and actually doing something about the crazy education our children have been getting for the last 30 years. So the Attorney General sicks the FBI on parents going to school board meetings as if there's some kind of domestic terrorist. Well, guess what? It turns out that Attorney General Merrick Garland's daughter, Rebecca, is married to the co-founder of Panorama Education, a group that allegedly utilizes critical race theory teachings and has contracts with school boards across the country. I mean, that is amazing. Now, I did read a little further in another article. They've they've had income and grants of like $110 million, this, um, this company, Panorama. They're in something like 50 of the largest 100 school districts in the country. Can you imagine our number one law enforcement person in the nation 
sicking the FBI onto parents who are complaining about lousy public education with these crazy theory textbooks of the last 30 years. And it turns out that his daughter is married to a guy that's probably made millions of dollars off of that exact same education. That's just incredible. But coming up in the next segment, I have a guest who is doing good things in the education world. I know you're going to enjoy it. Stay tuned to Business Buzz. I'll be right back after this short break. Wednesday, Alistair Begg describes a distinguishing characteristic of Christians. Paul knew what a compelling testimony it would be to living faith in the God of Scripture if these believers in Rome were to be seen as living lives that were marked out by a distinct hope. Join us Wednesday on Truth For Life with Alistair Begg. Paradise Auto Body would like to remind listeners that many accidents are the result of drivers on their cell phones. Cell phone usage while driving is quickly becoming a serious problem on our roadways. So whether you're talking or texting, cell phone use is a major distraction. Do your part to keep our streets safe. Put the phone down while driving. That message courtesy of your good friends at Paradise Auto Body, 1122 Elliott Road in Paradise. For all your body shop needs, A to Z, they're on the air because they care. The issue in politics is not whether you're Republican or Democrat or whether or not we have a huge debt or not. The issue is morality. Toleration is the theology of the day. I'm sorry, I don't believe that. David Hawking explains the important role morality should be playing in the world. This week on Hope for Today. Tune in for Hope for Today weekdays at 8 a.m. here on KKXX. With home mortgage rates still near historic lows, now is a great time to buy or refinance. Michael Humes is your one-stop mortgage lender. Michael Humes and his knowledgeable staff are well-versed in a wide variety of loan types, including FHA, Fannie Mae, USDA, HomePath, and HARP. For a free evaluation of your mortgage needs, call him, 530-624-7942. That's 530-624-7942. Be sure to listen to Michael's Mortgage Market Update every Wednesday at 2.30 on Your Home Today. This is Michael Humes, Mortgage Specialist at Network Mortgage, located at 155 East 3rd Avenue. NMLS License 230273, BRE License 01250862, employed by Network Mortgage, BRE License 01840139, NMLS License 358237, Equal Housing Opportunity. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I have a special guest today. Her name is Beatrice Broughton. She has a very exciting new business that has opened in Chico, and I'm so glad she had a chance to come talk with us. Uh, how you doing, Beatrice? I'm doing great now that I'm here with you, Bill. That's right. We, we've got it. We've got it rolling now. You started a new business, and I'm just going to let you sort of talk about it. It's 
I don't even want to say what it is because you're the expert. You're the one who has it all licensed. So tell us about your brand new business that every parent in Chico should be aware of. Well, Harold, this year in August, I opened a brand new childcare in Chico. It's licensed as a childcare, but it's much more than that. I've been a teacher for many years in Romania in a public school. So this was my dream, is to start my little school and uh, bring something new to the parents' community in Chico. That's great. And uh, so what's the name of your business and what makes it uh, different than the average? Uh, it's licensed as a preschool, but it's more like a school. It's Well, since I've been a teacher, an right. elementary school teacher, I'm going to run it as my little school. The name of it is Step by Step Child Care of Chico. Okay. It's licensed as a in-home child care. Right. It's in my own residence. Right. But, like I said, being a teacher for so many years, I wanted to do it as a little school, and I only take four little children. Right. From ages three to six. Three to six, wow. And, um, well, I've seen your lovely school, and what really strikes me is that they are going to learn things that other schools wouldn't be offering them. Definitely. And I know the one thing I wanted to talk about first was the violin and the piano. Yes. So tell us a little bit about your experience in, in Romania with well, music. Well, in Romania, I started violin when I was just six years old. And by the time I was 12, I was quite good. My father encouraged me to go to this national competition to start from the local level and advance. It, it was under communism, the equivalent of America's Got Talent today. And uh, when I was 12, I reached the national level and I won the first prize wow. in classical violin. Wow. And um, we didn't get money because that's not how it was under communism, but we received the diploma and the gold medal. At age 12, At you age won the 12. national that was award. The, yes, that was the only time I competed. After that, I had to focus more on school. Right. I was planning on becoming a teacher. So I still practiced violin, but uh, I didn't want to compete anymore because that does take a lot of your time going mm -hmm. to competitions. Right. So when I came here, I decided, okay, how about I start piano also because I loved piano and my father did not have any kind of possibility to find a piano teacher in, uh, in my little town. Uh -huh. So now that I got older, I came here. I studied piano, and when I opened my little school, I decided to offer piano and violin to uh, my students on a regular basis. Now, did you learn the piano as a child along no. with the violin or no, later? No, just violin. I learned so the piano learned... as an adult. Oh, yes, that's interesting. Yeah. And which, honestly, which do you enjoy more? If well, you had to actually, pick one. I can't. I, I enjoy I both of them, like because, them because I have so many beautiful years with violin, but... Uh, I wanted to do piano because that was my choice. Violin, violin was my father's choice. Right. <laughs> but I did very well with it anyway. <laughs> That's great. When a child is at your school, what's the schedule like? Is it a full day, a half day? Well, or? It's, a, it's something the parents have to discuss with me. It's more of a personal approach. I discuss the curriculum and the schedule with the parents one-on-one. -on -one. We meet twice a year if a child is enrolled for a, a whole year. I meet with the parents of each child separately in the fall and again in the spring, in January more likely, right, right. to discuss the curriculum and the schedule for the uh, following semester. So we decide together. They tell me what they plan, what they want for their child, 
what they would like to accomplish, what their child can do, how far they want their child to go. And we discuss it right there on the, in my classroom, on the spot. Right. And so it's a classroom. It includes the violin and the piano it's, as part of the curriculum. It's, it's included. What, what else are they going to be They have an learning? option. Children don't have to take violin and piano. The piano is over there in the classroom. I have three violins, my own violins that I brought from Romania. The, the classes are offered, but if a parent does not want their child to do anything like that, the child is not forced. Right. It's just an option they can choose. Right. They have the option to study French and sign language. As I said, they do not have to take that class. Right. It's a um, so it's custom much, made. It's, right. it's a schedule. It's a custom, custom made, made school personalized. That work out with each parent. With each parent, they have to actually sign off as to what classes they want their child to take with me while attending my my little school. And I offer cursive writing. I offer reading, math. Does uh, the child have the ability to read at three or four or five? If the child has and expresses the desire and the parents want to do that, then I offer it. The child can study with me. Right. If the parent says, well, do you know what? I just want my child to come here and have fun all day long and not study anything. Okay, it's fine with me. Right. The child can come here and have fun all day long. Right. We have plenty of toys and games and everything. Right. So the parents have an option. Right. They can do a simple, simple curriculum or more advanced. It depends on what right. they desire and what their child can do. I'm just imagining how well it could help a child of three or four to get this kind of real education in a fun setting before they even go to public school. Well, the uh, whole idea of my little school is this. The child will never get pushed past his or her limits. Right. But children have possibilities, have potential, and parents are not even aware of it because they don't have anywhere they can take the child where the child can say, wow, I never knew about this. I would like to learn more about this. Right. Like I have microscopes in my school, real microscopes from the university level and even for children to handle them. They are going to look at butterfly wings, at pollen grains, at everything. Right. Can a child learn something like that anywhere else in a, in a childcare environment? No, definitely can't. But a child has uh, options here to look at around and try this and try that and... Say, hey, you know what? I like to do electrical circuits with batteries more than I like to do the microscope. Right. This boy can say that. Right. And the little girl can say, do you know, I like to look to the microscope more. Right. They have options as to see there is such a wide variety of um, possibilities right. in my little school. They can choose. They can pick and choose what they want. Right. Now, you were educated in Romania. I was. And... You sort of bring a, probably a little bit of a different outlook than some of the teachers here. A different, a different approach, yes. Yeah. I uh, started teaching when I was actually 19 years old in a public school. And uh, I told this sometimes to some of the parents that I've met over the years. In Romania, a teacher does not teach a one grade only. You don't. As a teacher, as an elementary school teacher, you stay with your students for four whole years. Oh. You teach them all the classes. Everything, science, math, PE, music, absolutely everything for four grades. You teach them how to read, how to write, how to add and subtract, multiplication and so on, up to the fourth grade. Here, a teacher, elementary school teacher, only stays with their students for one year. So, there is different. That's great. Well, we're going to have another break. Uh, I'll be right back on Business Buzz with Beatrice Broughton. And we're going to learn a lot more about her teaching, her history, and... Her contact where you can get a hold of this 
wonderful new school and lots of things about how the new school is now started and running. So we'll be right back on Business Buzz in just a minute. Stay tuned. Getting your spiritual tank full again. A message from Life Radio, KKXX, AM and FM. Hi, this is Rob Walter, host of Red Sky Radio with Rob Walter. This is a program that proclaims liberty to the captives of our beloved nation, where truth trumps political correctness and where the uncompromised word of God exposes the works of darkness and sets free those held hostage behind the iron curtain of a shamelessly biased media. America, we have a trail to blaze. It's time to saddle up. It's time to ride. Join me at 7 a.m. on KKXX. Saturday mornings at 7 a.m. here on KKXX. Fellow Americans, eternal vigilance is the price of liberty. You and me, we the people, owe it to ourselves and our posterity to know the Constitution and Bill of Rights and hold our leaders and representatives accountable to its life, property, and freedom-protecting principles. Unite with other moral and religious organizations to protect your creator-endowed, unalienable right. America, bless God. To protect his home and family from disaster, Steve used courage, wisdom, and his camera phone. That should do it. Way to go, Steve! By simply taking digital pictures of his family's important documents, Steve can always have them stored safely online, no matter when disaster strikes. Learn other simple ways to protect your home and family before a natural disaster at ready.gov. That's ready.gov. A message from FEMA and the Ad Council. You're listening to Lighten Up with Ken Davis, brought to you by Compassion International. I'm Dr. Wes Stafford, president of Compassion, hoping you will listen as my friend Ken Davis shares some great advice for all of us on the journey of life. As an old man was relaxing at his 110th birthday party, a reporter went up to him and said, Hey, sir, what is the secret of your long life? The old man thought about this for just a minute, and he said, Well, every night before I go to bed, I have a small glass of wine. They say it's good for the heart. The reporter said, Well, is that all? The man smiled and leaned back in his chair and said, Well, canceling my voyage on the Titanic didn't hurt either. (laughs) I love people like this. Straightforward, no nonsense. The truth is that if we look around us, Or maybe even if we just examine our own life, we might find people do book a voyage on the Titanic. They know they're headed for trouble, but they get on board anyway. At least the passengers on the Titanic were ignorant of the danger that lay ahead as they walked up the gangplank. Many people embark on a journey they know can lead to destruction, but choose to ignore the warning signs and climb aboard anyway. Maybe they think they can disembark before disaster strikes. Maybe they believe they will be the exception and survive. God promises for every temptation to provide a way of escape. Often he shows us that escape before we take the first step aboard. Heed his warning. The secret to finishing strong is starting out right. This is Ken Davis. Lighten up and live. This has been Lighten Up, brought to you by Compassion International. Please visit us on the web at Compassion.com.
Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm here with Beatrice Broughton. She is the proprietor of the new school called Step by Step in Chico. I wanted to give you the contact numbers. There is one way to get a hold of Beatrice, and it's her direct line. Her phone number is 530-551-2124. You can also find in the Growing Up Chico Fall Edition is the inside cover on the front and the inside cover on the back has a picture of her school and the inside cover on the front has a picture of her and her contact is there. So don't forget to check out Growing Up Chico. It's a real good magazine for all the local uh, parents and children and things going on. So, And the main thing about uh, Beatrice is she is not online and she is not on Facebook. You will call her on the phone. You'll meet with her personally. And she is the teacher at the school. I'm the only teacher. She's the only teacher. You're not going to get pawned off. It's kind of like my CPA practice. I will be the one doing your tax. She will be the one teaching your children. Definitely. <laughs> no other adults allowed in that facility. That's right. Except for the parents. That's right. That, that, that's correct. So, Beatrice, what was it like getting a small business licensed in Chico? Was you that a that process? It's, it's actually a um, lengthy process. It's not that simple. It should be. In my case, since this is the smallest type of child care that it's offered in uh, the state of California, that it's strictly regulated by the Title 22, which is a state law. Mm-hmm. And it would really be a pleasure to go to this process if actually this law were uh, obeyed. And enforced properly. Enforced properly. Right. Which that's not always the case. (laughs) And it seems that uh, people who work in this uh, licensing department pick and choose what they want to do with the law. And unfortunately for them, I also have a law degree in Romania. So for me, going by the law, it's actually... Mandatory. Right. It's sort of what you're supposed to do. I'm, exactly. Did I'm it, supposed did, to do that, and I request them to do the same thing. It's not it, to their pleasure, but sooner or later, they are going to get around and uh, learn that not everybody in the childcare business actually uh, will let them get away with, with, uh, the way they with their personal things. practices. Right. Did anybody in uh, Business Buzz audience expect any government love today? <laughs> Because <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I I stopped uh, thinking about that a long time ago. <laughs> right. So how long of a process was it bef- while you when you you I started. You, the- yeah, now tell us also how long since you started building your school and furnishing it with all the good things in it. Four years. This October, it's four years ago. I came up with this idea. I decided to um, start something that nobody has to offer and nobody will ever offer because. Somebody from here thinks like uh, local people, and they have their own experiences, but I bring my own experience from another country. Right. My knowledge, my experience as a teacher, my education from another country. And although I did take uh, many classes here in college for pre-med, so I'm um, accustomed with how education system works here. Right. Still, most likely, I consider myself most often a Romanian teacher. Mm-hmm. That's all there is about me. Right. I bring all my experience from my younger years 
in Romania as so a teacher. What do you notice the differences of Romania versus here just from your experience? Because you've been here quite a while now. Yes, I, I lived here in Chico for eight years. Yeah. And in the United States for um, 16. Do you think Romanian teachers have a little bit more of a, like a real desire to really do a special job or well, dig in deeper? It, it's not about the teachers so much. Teachers here are great too, many of them. Most of them probably, I don't know, but I've met some great teachers in this country at all levels. It's about the curriculum that they have to go by. In Romania, while I was a teacher for 10 years, the curriculum was very different, was quite oriented towards academics. Here it's a little bit uh, harder to accept for me. So this is why I offer this program where I'm more academically oriented. Right. And not like, let's keep busy and let's do crafts right. because that's all there is to it. That's right. not all there is to a child's education. Right. Busy working. It's part, of it, it's it's part not, of it. Right. But you have to add to that and build a little bit on it. Each year, if you build a little bit, in four years, you'll accomplish something great right. with a child. So that's all there is to it. The level of um, the level of the curriculum in Romania is different, mm -hmm. and not just in Romania, in Europe than over here. This is why United States it's kind of at the bottom of the list with in science and math and. Yeah, and I think reading 50, and 50 years ago probably wasn't that way. Definitely, because the children in uh, this town have an option to come to me and study from books. The books that I have that are school books, textbooks from them to learn to read, reading with phonics, are from the 1950s and 1960s. That's... I bought the books for all the children online. They are in very good shape. This is, and bef I... this is before all the uh, yes. race theory and all the new well, things. Well, before a lot... Pictures are so beautiful, so colorful, so artistic, the, the pictures in the reading books. I like them so much, I said, I would like to read these books myself, so why not use them as a teacher? So, students who come to my little school will have books offered by me. The books stay in the school, but those will be their textbooks, used every day right. for learning, for reading. Mm -hmm. I know I, my son is now in his late 20s, but I was pretty shocked with the basic education of some of the courses in his high school, which was about 12 years ago now. But I, I could definitely see the difference from when I went to school in the 60s and early 70s. Even in Romania, things are not now like they used to be when I was a teacher. They are changing things for the worst. So is it a, a problem to me? Not anymore. I'm not teach, teaching over there. Right. And I do have a chance here to be a private teacher. Right. In my little school of right. four students only right. at any given time. That's no right. more than four children. So uh, what, I guess, my one of my main questions is, what is the motivation for, I mean, we've talked about the fact that you offer things no one else does, but what do you think can be the benefits of a child who would get your kind of education at step by step? I mean, what's going to really flower in that child? Well, if that child has some kind of a scientific mind, some scientific desire to learn something about science, like biology, botany, the program I have, it's so varied in so many fields. Like they will study plants, they will study zoology, they will study earth, they will study planets. They study all kinds of things with me at their level. Mm -hmm. Not something to overwhelm a child, but something to, for the child to learn something new and go home and be proud of it. Because sometimes even parents don't know what children are going to learn with me. Right. 
It happens. Yeah. I know parents get surprised at what they learned in the public schools all the time. Yes. But some parents are so busy, they don't even have time to keep up with it. They don't. But your parents are, you're, you're one-on-one with all exactly, these families. Exactly, because I only have four students coming to me every day. I will never take more than four students at any given time. Therefore, I can give them a one-on-one experience and work with each student to see, okay, what would you like to do today more? Would you like to do more Electrical circuits, is batteries, or do you like to do some more paintings, or do you like to build yourself a a mobile with the planets? Or maybe a violin. Or violin or piano. They are always accessible for them. They don't get told, don't do this, or don't touch this. Right. No, they will not. And they will not be yelled at either. (laughs) Which, that's a big issue nowadays. (laughs) That's big. Well, we're going to have another break on Business Buzz. I'm looking forward to the final segment with Beatrice Broughton. We're going to dig in a little deeper to her education and uh, oh, stay tuned to Business Buzz. We'll have a great time. We'll be right back. Just call Royal Land, the people who care. We do the job right, so you can sleep tight, just know when we're there. We've got the best in quality, with Lennox High Efficiency, for heating and air. Just call Royal Land, so call Royal Land. Yeah, we'll show you we care. With service done right, all day and all night, our prices are fair. Call anytime, our estimate's free. We're number one, so now you can see. For heating and air, just call Royal Land. So don't take chances, go with the best. Number one in the North Valley, Royal Air Heating and Air Conditioning. On the web at wecareroyalair.com or call us at 899-9999. Our radio station is much the same way. We can have all the right teaching and talk programs. We can be broadcasting to thousands. But if one crucial element is missing, it just doesn't work. That element is your financial support of our programs. Regular financial support and prayer support. We depend on it. With you standing behind us, everything will run just fine. You're listening to Life Radio, KKXX, AM and FM. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA, here talking with Beatrice Broughton. She is the teacher at Step by Step, and it's a brand new child care that's actually more like a school for uh, in-depth learning for your child age three to six. Her only contact number is her phone, 530-551-2124. And you can also find out about her school in the newest issue of Growing Up Chico, the fall 2021 issue. On the inside front cover is a picture of Beatrice and her uh, school information. And on the inside back cover is a picture of the school itself. And uh, I've been there and it's it's an amazingly cool place for a child to go. Yes, it I would have I would have enjoyed it. <laughs> I remember being in a preschool and we were watching rockets take off on the television around the early 60s. 
<laughs> so uh, now tell us a little more about how does it work, the flexibility. I know people need to call you to find out because yes. you're you're pretty open to making sure this works for the family. Exactly. It's very much personalized, like my son used to call it, when something is custom made for a child or for a parent. But my schedule is from 8 in the morning until 1 in the afternoon, a five-hour schedule for morning students. And also after that, from uh, 1 until 6 in the evening, another five-hour schedule for afternoon students. It's uh, also a possibility for parents who want to leave their child a full day from 8 in the morning until uh, 6 in the, in the evening. But... Like I said, parents have to call, discuss with me, meet with me in person. Right. Because I will not be staying on the phone with them. They have to come and see the place. Right. See if it's... Uh, they have to make sure they like you and you have to exactly. make sure it's if right I, for them. I, exactly. And if right. I like them too. That's right. Because it goes both ways. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, like I said, I uh, try to work each curriculum for each child with the parents. Mm -hmm. So I pay close attention to what the parents desire to accomplish with their child. Right. And then you have to balance that with what the child wants to accomplish. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> with the parents. Exactly, <laughs> because parents sometimes have ideas bigger than what the child would like to do. So we have to find a, a compromise and what benefits everybody and what helps a child grow and uh, satisfies the parents as well. So 8 to 6, that's okay with mm. the state? I didn't oh, know yes. what kind uh, of limits they have. Yes, actually, my, yes. There is not a limit on how much time, it's how much you are willing to work. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's your own business. <laughs> and this is just a, a rough schedule for me. I'll have to see how, what the demand is and what yeah, the Because right. this is a new, it's a new school. Are. It's a so new school. if somebody came in asking for 10 to 2, could you possibly work it, it out? It or? depends. If it's a one-on-one -on -one and I only have a limited number, because as I said, I take four students at a time. Any given day, on any given hour, in my little school, there will never be more than four children present. Right. That's maximum I, I accept. But if it's, let's say Wednesday morning, I only have one child, then and I don't have anybody else enrolled, I'm more flexible in working with a parent. Right. And so... On the schedule. Let, yeah, let's more. also, let's, let's go, I, I'm more curious a little bit about your history in your education now you were a teacher at age 19 19 were you in a college at the time it was a high school mixed college five years program and it was only for elementary school teachers that's all oh okay so i lived away from home i had to go away an hour away from my house to attend this uh, school so oh. i slept in a dormitory oh with, at with age hundreds of, since i was 14 14. 14 with hundreds of, with uh, tens of girls. We oh, were, it was a school you, of girls that, mostly. That was kind of your high school then? <laughs> high age school. 14? Yes, but it was more like a program, high school slash college type. Oh. Yes. Did your parents have to pay for that? Was that like a private no, school? No, no, it was uh, state that run. That was their school? It oh. was uh, state, Romania offered oh, okay. that program for oh. anybody who wanted to become an elementary school teacher. Did you that need was the to action. qualify for that? You had to take a very things? serious exam. Actually, there were about Nine or ten exams we had to take in order to be allowed to enroll in that uh, oh. program. Yes. Hmm. Now, do you have brothers and sisters? I that have were one also... sister. One sister who went also became a teacher, but she went to another uh, a different school. To a different, the same program, but in another location. Oh. An hour away from home, also. Yeah. <laughs> so that was uh, when I was nineteen, and I loved being a teacher, but that wasn't what I planned on doing for the rest of my life. So that's why I went to law school. 
And when I came here, I really wanted to become a doctor. So, so you um, went to law school after you were, what, in your late well, 20s? In after, my late 20s, After yes. teaching yes. for 10 years. Well, I was actually a teacher at yeah, the same time. Yeah, that's what I mean. At the same time. At the same time, yes. So then so I came here. You're kind of a hard worker. Oh, yes, I didn't uh, mind working hard. And then I came here and I decided to take my uh, pre-med classes in college in the United States. And my GPA was was 4.0. Right. For all the classes. And that was as high as it went. And that's as high as it gets. Because some of the high schools now offer fives for oh, their Oh, no, not, not for college. Right, not, not for college. college right. So, and so all you were physics a 4.0 pre-med student. In physics and chemistry, physics for engineers, calculus-based mm-hmm. and everything. Because I was going to um, pursue a physics degree also. So... Things have passed and uh, right. things happened, things so happen. I decided to move on to a different direction. Were you thinking about being a MD in a lab setting? No, I or? want to be actually an OB doctor. You I want, want to be have, an OB? Yes, very much so. so. babies? Exactly. So <laughs> now my son is pursuing that dream. Oh, great. <laughs> he I wants know, to he's be a, a doctor. So I, I said, know, he's a smart cookie too. <laughs> yes, he is. So I said, I can pass my dream to him. <laughs> That's great. And I can do something that I actually enjoy working with little children. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. That's I'm on great. the floor playing with them. Yeah. I did you go to a preschool when you were little? Yes, or? I actually did. Uh, in Romania preschools it's actually called kindergarten. They started at two and a half at the earliest. And is it sort of a public school? It's setting? only a public school. State? They don't have the private. They, have they the didn't private. when I went and they didn't when I was a teacher either. Nowadays now I they don't do. know exactly. I they believe might, that they yeah. do. They might. They even have private elementary schools. So did nowadays. all the children go to a preschool at two they and were, a half or just they, optionally? No, it was actually mandatory. Oh. Everybody went. It was free. Hmm. So everybody went. Yeah, I've never so, been to Romania. So. Well, when I went over there, we were under communism. Right. Children were allowed free care from um, brand new babies. Wow. Yes. That can be good and bad depending on... Well, it was all done by professionals, people right. who were highly qualified. They were not licensed as to uh, a few months. They were trained for years right. to, uh, to be childcare providers. Mm. So when somebody is trained for four or five years, that's beyond the licensing limits in this country, then you take it to a different level of right. care. So what, what what do you enjoy teaching the children? I mean, what's your favorite oh, part everything. when they ask questions? You I like, like the science. Them, I like to teach them to read, actually, very read. much so. Oh, I like the yes. cursive writing thing, too. And to do cursive writing because you take their little hand into your hand and you trace every letter with them because they are so little. They That's how I did it when I was a teacher. I took put my right hand over their little right hand and follow the letters with them and then let them go on their own. Right. It's like muscle and memory when exactly. they Exactly. And it's a lot of fun to see what they accomplish when they yeah. learn to read and learn to write cursive only. They will never learn um, typewriting with me. I have a typewriter. They will practice on it. Really old-fashioned. <laughs> I have not actually a told them. Not a laptop. And I have a projector for slides. So they'll have a little bit of the old-fashioned things. Come to think of it. To experience in my little school. My son was, he did learn the cursive. But I have a feeling they aren't even doing that anymore. A mother told me the other day, she said, my child, my children, uh, a um, daughter and a son, they both received birthday cards from their grandparents, and they were written in cursive. And the children are about 13 years old. They were twins, and they did not know how to read cursive. They thought and it I was a so foreign s- language. <laughs> I felt so sad because the mother had to step in and read it for them. I said, that is just so sad. That's it's amazing. A lost, it's a lost It's a lost art skill. for kids to it's even write. It's a lost write. skill for children, yes. I know, even my son, I mean, I think they did teach him the cursive, but they never really 
pushed it. I mean, they never really made him use it. In Romania, you use cursive. Or you don't have the right to choose. At least that's how it was up until I left. You could not choose anything else up until you went to high school. In high school, you had the option to choose your own style of writing, but for the first eight years, you wrote in cursive. That's Definitely. Good. I mean, I like that. What language is it? Is it Romanian? Romanian, yes. And is it like a Russian language? No, it's not. It's a Latin language. We were... Uh, my uh, country, the... The, in 101 and 102 and 105 and 6, we were taken over and colonized by the Romans. Oh. So, when they colonized... 101. 101. Oh, wow. Uh, so, we, we were colonized. That changed our, uh, our language. So, we are actually a Latin language. That's why it is very easy for us to learn Italian, to understand French. So, the first language I learned as a foreign language when I was a child was French. After that, sign language, uh, after that, English... After that, Latin, we were required, and I spoke Latin. I, I loved it. It was a beautiful language. And after that, in this country, I learned sign language. So you, how old were you when you learned your second language? I was 10 years old. You learned French? French. And I started. And did I did French for six years in school. Yeah. And then I learned. And then you learned ne English. Next year, they added English. And then you learned Latin? After that, Latin. And after that, sign language here. But now in Romania, they do English as a second language. In kindergarten, they start. You know, these days, English they is a advance, big deal. Yeah. They advance with the foreign language in Romania. They start. Children speak Romanian, and after that, English. As soon as they go to kindergarten, they start with that. Yeah, I, with the internet, they That's all need it, to know English. Yes, they do now. So, yes. so have you had a desire to learn Spanish or no? Italian? But I'm starting. Oh yes, Italian. I'm starting now. I've started actually a few months ago. To look into studying Italian, I got myself the books, the CD, the DVDs, and everything. I love Italian. It's, a it's beautiful not that language. often I talk to somebody who knows five languages. <laughs> and working on the sixth. <laughs> I took some Spanish in high school and some French in college. And I enjoyed it, but I didn't pursue it. So I, I never got good at speaking because we weren't speaking. If you don't speak, I could write it and yes. do the, the exercises, but speaking is really... And with French, speaking is hard because it's got a lot of weird sounds. It's, uh, it's harder for English-speaking people. Mm -hmm. For Romanians, it's... It's much easier. For okay. me, it was harder to develop the muscles to speak English. Right, because it's more different. It's different. Is that considered a Latin language? English? What? Oh, no. No, no not, definitely not. But French is? Well, it's, uh, it's somehow related, yeah. somehow Right, I know they're related. Somehow influenced, but yes. But you're saying like Spanish and Italian and Romanian definitely. are kind of Latin. Latin languages, yeah. yes. Yeah. yeah, Spanish was always kind of fun. Of course, growing up in California... Now you kind of need it. <laughs> well, I'm trying to stay away from it. That many people speaking it anyway, so I'm going to say, okay, there are, there should be a few people to speak some French here around, <laughs> so we can balance. <laughs> well, thanks, Beatrice. I really appreciate you coming in, and uh, thank you for bringing me the copy of the latest Growing Up Chico. Everybody should grab one of those. And once again, Beatrice's school is step-by-step, -step. Her contact is the one contact, 530-551-2124. You will speak directly with Beatrice and Beatrice only, and she's the only teacher. Exactly. <laughs> so as you can tell by our conversation, your children will get a very special educational opportunity if they call, if you call Beatrice and 
look into this step by step. It's a great idea. I'm wondering if there's any like this anywhere, but uh, I know there aren't any others in Chico. So I don't think it's anything like this in the whole world. I don't. Th- I think you can start a franchise. I will not. Okay. <laughs> I'll rather stay with my little business. I'm happy with it. Well, thanks for coming, and uh, we look forward to seeing you again. Uh, thanks for listening to Business Buzz. I'll see you next time. Uh, take care and enjoy the lovely uh, Chico Fall. Welcome to Preparedness Thoughts with John Stephenson. John understands the importance of being prepared. Through rain, rocks, and snow, he has seen it all and survived. He has seen major disasters like Mount St. Helens and how vehicles were stopped in the street from the volcanic ash. Earthquakes, too, including the Loma Prieta earthquake, which felt like it wouldn't stop shaking. People were without electricity and could not hardly buy groceries or gasoline. The homeless lit bonfires in the streets. The Bay Bridge and other freeways were broken. God only knows what will be next. Welcome to Preparedness Thoughts by John Stephenson. We invite Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit to guide us as we examine how our preparations can be used to preserve the life of ourselves, our family, and others. Think back to a time when you had gone to the bank and so you had a wallet full of greenbacks and you had your car clean and full of gasoline. You felt like you could drive where you wanted and you could go where you wanted to go and it felt pretty good. Or think back to the time You were going on a trip for a few days. Again, your car was clean and full of gasoline. You had been to the bank, so you had plenty of cash with you. You had your overnight stuff, your food, and warm everything. You had what you needed to live for a few days. What a good feeling! And you can have a lot of that same comfortable feeling today by having what might be